Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Goodbye, University. Wow. It's our last book review club for the year of 2016. I think we got a lot of good stuff to cover today because I think each of us might have read something different, <laughs> and I know Ming read too, so I'm excited to hear from what everyone's been inspired by and what tips you'd like to pass along from what you've been investing your attention in. Before we get started, let's hear a hello from, I just see Carrie just muted herself. We'll hear from you shortly though, Carrie. Hopefully you've got some cool stuff to share about your book. I know Nancy's here. Hi, Nancy. <laughs> Hi there, Jeanette, and everybody on the call. Good to be here. It's been a while. It has been. So nice to hear you again. Mm -hmm. And Ming is also here. How are you, Ming? I'm doing great. Interested to hear from you today. I think you read two books that I have not read, so we're going to have a nice variety of of um, topics covered. Guillaume is also here. Hello, my friend. Hi, Jeanette. Hi, everyone. Nice to be here. Uh, Chandra, are you unmuted? Hawaii Hi. may be muted. Yeah. Oh, here you are. Yay. I lost you thanks. for a minute. I had a call back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, thanks for rejoining. And who else is dialed in that we haven't said hello to? Carrie? Me. Oh, we said Carrie was muted. Who's me? Me. <laughs> Sean. Oh, Sean's here. Hi, Hi. How are you? Hello. I'm I'm good, thank you. Happy solstice, everybody. We're solstice. Oh, well, yes. Happy solstice. <laughs> yeah. So, I had several books listed, and I have several on my reading table that I intended to get to this month. But I really spent most of my time with one book in particular, which was by Barbara Hoberman Levine. Levine. Your Body Believes Every Word You Say. The subtitle is The Language of the Body-Mind Connection. This was It's an older manual, but this is a revised and expanded issue. I think it was updated, I want to say in the year 2000, but let me just double-check that. Yeah, copyright 2000. And it's, uh, I mean, a, as you would expect from the title, she's emphasizing how important it is the instructions that we're constantly giving our bodies, maybe without even knowing it. It's filled with examples, mostly anecdotes. But there's a, she does quote some research here, too, that speaks to the, that powerful connection. This certainly isn't a new topic, I think, for any of us, but I did appreciate the reinforcement as well as the invitation to become more aware about the things that... I say in general, in fact, maybe even there are some things I might want to be listening for from clients who are experiencing some physical symptoms. This is, um, there's some interesting stuff here on how to help someone through some of their physical challenges. Did anyone else read this or am I the only one who checked this one out? 
So I'll just share a couple of quick things because I want to hear from everyone else on what you guys have read. So I won't take up a lot of time with this one. But she does talk about, oh, what our doctors tell us (laughs) and how important that is Um, and how a doctor could navigate that territory territory where, oh, there was a section where they were talking about not giving false hope, but she had ethical hope, I think is what she called it or what those in the industry call it, where doctors who understand that they are looked to as authorities by their patients that when they talk about potential side effects or symptoms, when they lay out expectations, when they even label the diagnosis, that it's very important for the way they communicate that to their people that they make room for positive expectations because it is so important. She doesn't quote some of the research I've heard before. Nancy, maybe you'll remember this. Remember there was a study that said the single most um, powerful factor in a person's healing wasn't their belief, but their doctor's belief yeah, in their healing. Yeah. 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 Wasn't it that. with Mind Over Medicine uh, by Lisa Rankin? Did talk about that? Yeah. Could have been. In fact, I thought of that book several times as I was going through this. If anyone was interested in this subject, I would probably recommend that book over this one. But if someone's looking for reinforcement, this one was good for it as well. Um, She has a section in here where she talks about the importance of not using nouns to describe our illnesses, but using verbs. Like, for example, instead of saying, I have acne, you can say, my body is acne-ing. She said it might sound awkward, awkward, (laughs) awkward, but um, it is a more empowering way to think about what the body is doing because rather than thinking you got something that you're not in charge of, it kind of sets a person up for being in victim mode. When you think of it as a verb instead, like it's not that I have cancer, my body is cancering. She just believes that it opens up possibility of how we can work with that. That was one interesting thing I can't say I've read anywhere else before. And let me find a couple of other favorite things. I have a lot of pages dog-eared. She says, as we name a thing, we are also, in a sense, causing or creating it. She does mention law of attraction in the book, and she sounds very much like a conscious creator. Although she did draw the line at some point where she said, "Our, our minds might not cause disease, but they certainly affect how our bodies deal with it. Well, I would I would say no. We I I wouldn't draw a line there. Um, ooh, this is interesting. The belief system is so strong in our society. Uh, okay, uh, let me go back a little bit. As early as '86, Carolyn Rubin had written in East West Journal that many AIDS patients remained in remission, living years beyond the expectations of their doctors. But this was rarely talked about because she wrote the belief system is so strong in our society that they will die. By saying you're in remission, everybody who doesn't believe it's possible and thinks it's only temporary and that you will die, they project the thought forms at you. You have to be a really strong individual. Mm-hmm. Back in 86, someone was talking about projected thought forms and how important those are. That obviously speaks to the importance of not just our doctor, but those around us, You know what they, what they expect for us. And really... Our own, I want to say, developing an immunity from anyone who has negative expectations of what we're experiencing, that being able to dismiss those 
and instead choose what we prefer. And conscious creators would have an enormous advantage in doing that. But I, I like that she spoke to the importance of that. She says, oh, there's a section here talking about the advent of the sinus headache. Brilliant marketer, had a drug, wasn't selling, made up a thing that treated it. And now this thing is treated like a real thing, the sinus headache. Um, in communication, there's a hypothesis that states, when you have a name for something, you are much more likely to perceive it. That's the classic example is that of the Eskimos. They have dozens of words for different kinds of snow. And in this section, she goes on to talk about where sinus headaches came from and how this can both help and hurt us. Sometimes when we hear about things we didn't realize were diseases, it plants suggestions, and she talks about all the pain medication ads we see through the news and such, but that it also happens when we hear about treatments, that that also plants ideas in our heads. She uses the form seed thoughts um, along those lines. Mm, what else do I want to talk about? Mm, this section is also on the grammar of disease, how we think and talk about it. Um <laughs> She's got lots to say about it. Okay, years spent treating patients as a psychiatrist and surgeon convinced me that mental and physical illness are different manifestations of the same disease process, negative thinking. She's quoting Dr. Ella Broke, who was talking about specifically acne. So, you know, Louise, she didn't mention Louise Hay here that, I, that I've read yet. Maybe she has. I've still got two chapters to finish, but... Uh, I didn't hear a reference to Louise Hay, which really surprised me. seems like there would be a lot of that in a book like this. But um, she does say that it's super individual for us, that the way our body speaks to us, it can be a personal message, that we can't necessarily say lower back means you're lacking support for everyone. Having said that, she does quote a handful of specialists. Oh, my gosh, there was a really cool section on that. This guy thinks acne patients... Are what they have in common is that they feel picked on in life and he helps them change their thought process so they don't feel victimized in order to clear up their um, acne. Ooh, I really want to find... There was another one. Oh, a hypertension specialist said the people who experience that tend to have powerlessness in their life. I always... I think it would be cool if it was, you know, oh, I've got a symptom and I could look it up and, and know. And maybe sometimes... That stuff does resonate, but I appreciated her message where she said, this is personal to you, and you've got to learn how to speak the language of your body, and there are a lot of exercises in how to do so. Okay, so here's a guy, Vincent Scavo, MD, a retired ear, nose, and throat specialist, confirmed the frequency of cliché talk among his thousands of patients. He said, you'd be amazed how many patients tell me, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? The ear guy hearing people saying, I don't want to hear that. And then there's a chest specialist, <laughs> David Bushell, saying, my patients often say, there's something I have to get off my chest. <laughs> he said, I'm not sure what, if anything, the connection is to their disease, but I hear the metaphor a lot. Dr. Hershorn, the colon and rectal surgeon, said, I hear the pain in the ass metaphor so often. <laughs> uh, there's, there are more of those who, again, that's anecdotal, but... I think she's on to something when she says, and maybe that's why she isn't quoting Louise Hay all over the place, 
that uh, you've got to learn what your symptoms or what your body is saying to you. And she, even thinking of it not as symptoms, but thinking of it as your body's, your body's doing something positive here. Whatever it's experiencing is, she didn't use the term healing gesture, but I sure like that from some doctor I heard, I don't know, last year. Um, I think that if we approach it that way instead of thinking something's gone wrong in our body, but rather our body recognizes something's off and it's trying to get our attention so we can be a partner to the healing, I really liked that idea. Uh, here's one section in the Chapter 9, Perceptions about Health and Disease, where she says, disease is allowed by the mind, even if not necessarily caused by it. That's what I didn't necessarily agree with. Bodily conditions and seed thoughts both reflect our beliefs. In a sense, the body is a solidified version of the mind. Edgar Casey summed it up by saying, thoughts are things and mind is the builder. I thought that was mm. kind of cool. And she does go back. She's even quoting the Bible. Coda Bear says he's got to go out. So, oh, he's a stinker. He didn't have to potty. Oh, it's my mailman. I just let my dog out to oh, bark at my mailman. Hang on, you guys. I'm sorry. Oh, he... Good job, Coda. Suckering Jeanette. <laughs> <laughs> he's going he's gonna to remember that tactic. He's going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it works really well. <laughs> exactly. So watch for that. <laughs> oh, it was good that I caught him because he was going to put on my porch a package. And um, on my porch is a present for my UPS guy. I was afraid I might miss UPS. So I was afraid to I, – I, Ming said FedEx should be coming today too. And I was like, oh, that might be awkward. There's a present for UPS, but not FedEx. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm glad I spared my mailman from – same thing. Uh, great. And I lost my book somehow in this process. Uh, so, okay. Let me think if there's anything else. She was talking about the seeds of thoughts and how it works seed with thoughts, beliefs. Yeah. And seed thoughts, and, um, yeah. Seed thoughts. Yeah. You were saying you agreed with some oh, of it. And, you know what? You know what? Okay. And I did. I bet this was from Lisa Rankin or someone has written before as well about the um, – Remember the the patient that got the – well, I don't have to repeat it because we've probably covered it before, but it's one of my favorite stories, and she included it here as well. Is that the um, guy who got the um, saline shots? Yes. You know the yes. one. Yeah. I know the story. I know the, yeah. And it was, Lisa Rank, it was Lisa Rankin, and it was really dramatic. It was amazing. Very dramatic. Like very, three very dramatic. Oh, three speaking of times. chemo – yeah, mm-hmm. speaking of chemotherapy, she said that or uh if a, if you believe that a treatment could be harmful, you're better off not getting the treatment. Mm-hmm. But if there's a part of you that thinks you could benefit from it or that it's necessary to have it, it's worth taking the time to re-perceive it. Like you can change your mind about it. You and she talks about positive affirmations to do so so that you can get the benefits without the negative side effects. Um, I so I really like there was a lot of concepts here that were very much in alignment with conscious creation, but 
I can't say that she took it as far as I would like to see it go. Um, and her story is, she's got a pretty compelling personal story about how she's used this herself. How, oh, there, there were a lot of examples of people who, you know, when their body would be doing something that they did learn how to get the message from it and work with it rather than see it as something gone wrong or, you know, like that they'd, that there was a problem that they needed to try to overcome. So overall, thumbs up from me on this one. Uh, but you could probably hear from me, I'm like not like raving. I do have a lot of pages dog-eared, but I would, if if this is a subject someone is excited about, I would suggest reading Lissa Rankin and also paying attention to even phrases we use like, oh, I wrote a couple of them down, because she'd give an example every now and again about like when someone would say pain in the neck or I'm losing my I'm head. Dying to, or I'm dying yeah. to do this. Or, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just paying attention to that sort of thing. Oh, she. there was one, she said, I don't have my head on straight. And she literally, she tripped while walking in the woods and she just created, she had to go see a chiropractor and yeah, it. she'd manifested it. And I was thinking about how sometimes I, t- I joke about myself, like I'll say something like, oh, I'm, I'm not right in the head. I'm like, Jean, maybe you should stop saying that, Jeanette. Maybe don't say that. She said our bodies sometimes take us very literally. I wondered about that because I thought, well, we know what we mean, right? And the vibration is what matters. But she said, look, I can't say for sure, but don't take the chance. I thought, that's probably not bad. It's so. It also probably depends on how often you say that, and if you're yep. saying it with with you might be joking, but you might have some sarcasm flowing, mm-hmm. which is different than if you're truly laughing and having fun. It's a different, mm-hmm. you know, different. Vibe. I would agree. Oh, and but, that's another thing she said: knowing our true beliefs is a tricky thing. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, what we want to believe and what we truly believe sometimes are not the same thing. So I didn't read Lissa Rankin's book. I've heard her talk many times, but I didn't actually read her book. Um, did Is her book more dense in terms of the science and that kind of stuff, or is it easy to read like this book is easy to read? It, her, Lissa was easy to read, but I okay. think that her it's more current, and her background as a doctor made what she shared even more compelling. Okay. I don't know, for some reason that one has stayed on my shelf and this one I might pass along. I might. I like the ideas in it, though. And I'm not done. I still have two more chapters to finish on. It's things like exercises on, you know, how to give yourself more powerful, positive suggestions, right. etc. cetera. Yeah. So that's, you know, let's I, hear from, oh, go ahead, Nancy. Well, I was just going to say about, you know, what doctors say. My father was diagnosed with cancer. This was in 1979. He was diagnosed with cancer in the fall and told he would live six months, and he died within five. And it was really clear to our family that the, what the doctor said was a big reason why he died when he died. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, at the same time, I've known people who, like um, like GVU member Maria, who um, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and she was already having symptoms of it. But one of her doctors 
one of her doctors said said to her, this could just be a bump in the road. Mm. And she heard that that one one throwaway thing that he said mm-hmm. and he she grabbed a hold of that and and really kept telling herself i'm taking the medication right now but it's just a bump in the road and pretty soon i won't have to take the medication and sure enough in a couple of years her body started rejecting rejecting the medication and before she let her doctor put her on a second medication she asked for an mri and they did it and it showed that she was in full remission and she didn't you, need the medication. You know, I, you're speaking to something that I think deserves a spotlight, Nancy. And one of the things I enjoyed from this book was about how we how we interpret the words from not just doctors, but even the nurses as well. She, she quoted one nurse as saying, especially in the ER room, that people come in there so frazzled. Frazzled was another word that, like when you say, oh, I'm so frazzled. Hello, what it can do to your nerves, not cool. Anyway, uh, she... The nurse was saying that being able to tell someone touch is important. You know, being able to place a hand on them and say, everything's under control, you're going to be okay. How powerful that would be for immediately bringing down their blood pressure or for being able to slow bleeding or uh, being able to allow administration of, you know, painful procedures without anesthetic that, you know, there's healers. I got to say, it gave me a new appreciation for those who understand how powerful their interaction with the patient is. Um, but she also quoted patients who misunderstood what the, what they heard their doctors say. Like there was one guy who heard the doctor say he has a wholesome something or other. The 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 guy interpreted it as he's got a good heart, he's got a good strong heart, and he later after he healed, he, he later told his doctor, well, when I heard you say I had a wholesome something that started with a G, I knew I must have had a lot of kick in this heart still, so I knew not to give up hope. When really that what the guy was saying was, yeah, this is this is bad news for this guy, and the opposite. There was one woman who who the doctor said a classic case of TR or TS something. And the the he meant it as oh some medical term, but the patient assumed and wouldn't even believe it when they tried to tell her otherwise that it meant terminal situation, and she died like even I, I, it was either later that day or the next day. Oh. So yeah, the, I gotta say it it feels like it that is reason enough to be really mm, conscious, maybe intentional. About who we partner with for our healing processes. We can't be dependent on that, though, can we? I mean, for people who kind of don't believe that they are totally responsible for their lives, I mean, it's like a bonus if you've got a doctor or a nurse who mm-hmm. speaks in this positive sort of way that you've just mm-hmm. similar to what you've just described. <laughs> but that's like, well, we could be said to be. It's like, I suppose one could create that as well. But but for us, I mean. There are, there are many, 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 many stories of people who have, you know, defied doctors' yep. um, definitions and expectations, mm-hmm. aren't there? And that's what we need to be mm-hmm. aiming for, isn't it? To to define it for ourselves and I not agree. be dependent on what other people say. I 100% agree. And ideally, I mean, I, I like the idea that especially we as conscious creators know that we can do that. I also like the idea of partnering with someone who makes that work easy for me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and to be able to just much like you said, where as you were quoting Maria's story, Nancy, that 
that ability to put it in perspective instead of thinking of it as dire or you know like this changes everything because there have been a, there have been a handful of things I've recognized in my own self Sean about how I got some symptoms I thought it was a big deal I got freaked out about it and eventually I realized this is nothing but it yeah. took me a second to get on that page like to be mm-hmm. able to take it in stride and know that all was well here mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes I, I sometimes did I have help with any of that? I don't know. It might have just been nothing ever works. So I finally shrugged my shoulders and said, oh, well, so shall it be. And then it got better. But well, There's uh, often a lesson in there as well, isn't there? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, sorry, what I, oh, that's not very clear at all. Just quickly, what I mean is this. Um, there's been somebody in my life, an old, old, a very old friend, who <laughs> he's changed in many ways. And I feel I'm, I don't want much, so much contact with him. And... Um, it's quite hard because he lives in London and we talk quite a lot on the phone. And Anyway, I've, I've been getting these messages for, oh, for a long, long time. And I found it very difficult to, to do that, to lessen the contact or cut, well, almost cut off the contact. And, it's, and, and I've been getting message after message after message. The latest message was this. When I went up to London and I was, I, ha- I have bursitis, which is inflammation of the greater trochanter. It's, it's, I, I deal with it, I handle it. Nothing, it's nothing major. If, that, if it flares up, I know how to deal with it because I know my body really well. Um, on this occasion, something had aggravated it. It wasn't totally healed from the aggravation. And I was carrying a case up and down um, underground a lot, a lot. And on my return journey, I just knew I needed some help. Mm. And I kind of told him, and he didn't respond. And I, it wasn't that I thought I did. I knew I did. And it's really mm. flared up, and I've been limping really badly for three, two weeks. It's getting a bit better now. But I regard that as a real message for saying, look, mm-hmm. let go mm-hmm. of this guy. That's slightly mm. off-piste here, isn't it? It just came into my mind. So it's not really no, I really, I like what you said, Sean, when you said, I know my body really well. I got goosebumps because that's one thing she writes about in the book about how, oh, she she mentioned how she's doing it in this book. She's being repetitive and redundant. She said our bodies do the same thing when they're trying to get a message to us. If we just ignore it or we get used to it or we yeah. just decide that's how it is, then it will kick things up a notch or find some other way to try to get the message yeah. through. So yeah. when we learn to get the message, you know, really quickly and easily, when we're paying good attention, when we know our bodies really well, then they don't have to go to great lengths to get our yeah. attention. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know, I've had, I've heard Abraham say, if you have a pain or a twinge in your body, instead of immediately labeling it as, you know, uh, some kind of a problem, arthritis or whatever, just give that part of your body and the the feeling, the sensation that you had, your full attention, and just give it your attention. And then notice whatever thoughts come up in mm-hmm. your mind as you're doing that. So I'd heard them say that, and then I'd had some clients right after that talk about aches and pains, and I told them to do this process that Ava had recommended, and they all came back going, oh, my God, you know, I've had that pain for X number of years, and it's gone, and I can't believe it, and, yeah, I, all these memories started flooding back for me, and it's it's about really just paying attention to the messages the body's giving, right, and being present to whatever's coming up. 
You know, it's so interesting to hear you quoting that from Abe Nancy because it seems like I've also heard them say, you know, don't focus on what you don't want more of. You know, so like don't get obsessed with, you know, the creaky knee or the elbow that's giving you trouble or whatever. But I, I, it seems to me there's a lot of value in tuning in so that we can be partners to our bodies rather than just um, trusting it'll work itself out. Like, you know, to really invest in, in our awareness about what's going on and, and how it's trying to help us live even better. Well, there's a difference between feeling a pain and labeling it some, you know, diagnosed problem problem, and feeling the pain and just being aware of it and just noticing it and then being aware of whatever thoughts come up while Mm -hmm. you're feeling that sensation in the body. And, And I've even had it where I've had pains that, you know, some people might say, are you having a heart attack or something? But instead of saying that to myself, I've said, oh, my body is healing itself. Mm-hmm. So, so I've I've decided to label it as a healing sensation versus a problem sensation. Right, 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 right. I think we know that makes all the difference in the world. Our expectations and our beliefs are manifesting, and so getting really conscious about what we believe for our bodies and offering some helpful instructions and support makes all the difference what you guys were just talking about with with feeling the the pain are you guys made me think of the sedona method are you familiar with that yeah 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 maybe you think of that as like you know with what is your now feeling and if if that is pain then you know welcoming it or allowing it and uh and then can you let it go yeah made me think of that because i like i like that process too I do too. I use it with my anxiety, which I should be doing yeah. right now because my anxiety is high. <laughs> uh, well, you know what I like about that is it it feels like it's it helps us practice one of the core principles of conscious creation, which is um, non-resistance. Right? There's an allowing inherent there when we when we ask those questions. That it allows us to release any resistance that we might have had to it and that is the game changer vibrationally it's the opposite of what we resist persists yeah 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 really interesting stuff going on there so i for one am going to be paying better attention to oh just some of the phrases that i use a lot and nancy i i agree that it depends on you know it, it it's the stuff that you say habitually regularly that you want to pay more attention to than maybe some of the phrases you, you rarely repeat. But yeah, say. in chat, um, Barbara Barbara can't dial in because her daughter is sleeping. But um, mm. in chat, she wrote that this resonates with her because doctors once told her for sure that she had polyps in her colon, and she had a few weeks before the colonoscopy, so she um, t- tuned into herself and and started talking to them. And then when she did the colonoscopy, they did they found no polyps in her colon. And she also said she did that with her gums, and she used oil pulling and treating them with love. And she talks to herself and her organs in general. And she says she also uses Ho'oponopono on her body. So hmm. cool. Right mm-hmm. on. I love that. Mm, yeah. Very cool. So, Ming, I know you've read a couple books. Let's hear from what you've been inspired by. Uh, did you want to hear 
about the year of the yes or the one about the every word? Because it kind of goes along with what you were just sharing about words. Mm. So let's. I, that's the one that I have that next to read. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But yeah, a couple thoughts about the year of yes would be cool too. <laughs> okay. Well, the year of the yes. It, it, for anybody that watches Grey's Anatomy, I would recommend the book just because it gives some insight into the character, um, one of the characters that was very popular back in the day, which piqued my in- interest. And the book is hysterical. I mean, I was sitting on a plane to L.A., and I'm literally laughing out loud, you know. And I don't normally do that when there's people are quiet around me, but I couldn't help it. <laughs> but um, I wrote a couple of things down. And I took some notes, and I'll read them real quick because there's four, four little things I wrote. So she says, yes, is about giving yourself the permission to shift the focus of what is priority from what's good for you over to what makes you feel good. So be brave, be amazing, be worthy, and every single time you get the chance, stand up in front of people, let them see you, speak, and be heard. Then she gives the um, definition to badassery. Now, the practice of knowing one's own accomplishments and gifts, accepting one's own accomplishments and gifts, and celebrating one's own accomplishments and gifts. Two, the practice of living life with swagger. Swagger is a noun or verb, a state of a state of being that involves loving oneself and waking up, quote, like this, and not giving a crap what anyone else thinks of you. And then lastly, mm-hmm. I like what she said about her friends. They cheer, they hold my hand, they shove me forward when I want to hide. They they were telling me to say yes all along. They don't make me braver. They tell me I'm already braver and faster. They do not gladiate for me, or they tell me I can gladiate for myself. And she gives a lot of examples of what she said yes to for that whole year, and it, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's actually very, very fast. It is a really entertaining book. It's a really fast read. Um, I read it. I, I may have almost finished it on the plane. So. I read oh it a few weeks ago, so I looked at it this morning because I thought just in case I, I was the only one to read it, I wanted to at least share a couple of things. And then the other book is the word, what your, the every word you say. And what was interesting about it, it, it took a while to get through, so it's a little longer, but I looked again this morning just to see some things that I highlighted. And it talks, in chapter two, it talks about self-worth, and we all, we all know what that is. And then chapter four is the power of focus and intention. And she's talking about speaking your dreams, that you breathe life into your dreams, and then they become the reality. And you are the guardian of your happiness, and it's time to believe in amazing possibilities because possibilities make you care about the future, which inspire hope, and hope always replenishes and uplifts. So it doesn't matter for your goals if they're simple or they're involved, as long as you spend every day living well. The life you are living right now is the result of everything you've thought or believed for years. That kind of struck me today because um, I was thinking about where I am right now, what the life I'm living right now, and I thought, wow, this is the culmination of what I've been thinking and believing for, for years, which I kind of thought that was actually very cool. Um, she also talks about later on changing your inner talk, becoming more self-aware, new decisions, then you can adapt and adjust easily. These are low energy words, which are lower frequency, which causes actually a lower energy in you. She said 20% of the words you use either make you happy or not. And if you're happy, she quotes a study about how being happy adds nine years to your life. 
Um, she says, we use the word because and now, and she says, use them often because the conscious mind likes the word because it answers the question why, if you use the word because. And then the word now is like pressing the word enter on a keyboard, which I thought was interesting. Um, she says, high energy words are gratitude, laughter, kindness, love, abundance, success, joy, health, freedom, and power. And then she says, that there's a section about becoming a thought billionaire, where you gain access exponentially to billions, which causes more high energy results, simply switching from low energy words to high energy words. And so she does a couple examples where she goes through someone's, you know, conversation, and then she pulls out the low energy words and then changes the conversation to using high energy words, which were examples of using like the word new or well or good or great or better or thanks or welcome. So one thing that I started practicing is the phrase no problem. She says is a low energy, oh. low energy word. And that's something that I, I caught myself because that's something I, I type in, in, a, in a text or, or chat. I, right. I always, somebody says no problem, right? And I realized oh. that it's a, it's what it's doing is telling my brain that I have a problem. So I quickly have re changed that up to instead of saying no problem, I now say you're very welcome. So that's the one. Wow, that's a great example of the of just getting more conscious, right, about things that just might have been habitual that we didn't realize the yeah. energy behind. I mean, I actually thought that was a good phrase. <laughs> so my intention behind yeah. it was always a good thing, but then I was looking at it going, that's kind of interesting about the subconscious brain. So she, she gives a lot of examples like whatever words you use, think of it as your, it's a search engine. So me being, I love to Google stuff, right? So it's, she's kind of like saying if you would, whatever word you like to say, if you would think about it as if you were to Google it, what would come back to you? What, if you Googled your favorite word, look to see in Google what would come back. And that's, that's the intention, right? That you're, wow. that's your telling nice way your to brain. think about it. Yeah. And then All right. Well, you're making me excited to read this book. Okay. I'm going to share one last thing. Yeah. And then, because I think, you, Jeanette, you, I thought of you when, um, when I read this paragraph. So world, world peace may be much nearer than when we realize because when global consciousness reaches critical mass, freedom is near. Your brain is so much more powerful than technology. It's a quantum device transcending time and space. The more connected and congruent your conscious mind and unconscious mind is, the more easily your thoughts will resonate through the vibrational energy all around you. Whoever is on the same vibration with you will then be able to pick up on your thoughts as quickly as you think them. Now, this is, this is what I thought was interesting. Thought manipulation will not work because manipulation is a middle brain mechanism, which is low energy, which causes inconsistency. So I love what that. does she... What does she mean by thought manipulation? Do you think? Because she's talking about if you if you think if you think that if all these people are causing thoughts, I think, and trying to mm. ma manipulate someone got else, it. you know how some sometimes we talk it. about that. Like so I thought like even be, like advertisers or something like that. Or yeah, right. So I was think, I was wondering if she was referencing our own thought manipulation. You know, like when I recognize, oh, I just said no problem. What I really meant to say was you're very welcome. Like, that's kind of a thought manipulation, but that's not the kind she meant. Right, no, no. Yeah, this was just how she was talking about world peace and stuff. But anyway, cool. I, I did I did enjoy the book. There's a ton of, of exercises in it for people who like to do those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> I gather you're I not did, one. <laughs> no, I'm not, and that's the part I started skipping. 
But um, I did do one exercise, though, which surprised me, and I did it. I'm going to see if it, how it works. She told me for, she said in the, the next month, which is January, she said mm-hmm. to pick four dates, random dates, and mm-hmm. put these powerful words such as wow or whatever. So I did. I'm going to see what happens. On the, so what do you mean put them where? Like on the calendar? Put them on my calendar. Yeah. Really? And supposedly, right, <laughs> for me doing this, I'm going to see if, okay, I used the word wow twice, and then I used, I forgot, I used two other words, and I put them on random dates, I didn't, and for the month of January, and I did it in four places, so I'm going to see if it does anything. <laughs> okay, well, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> now, okay, I can't wait to hear back from you on that. Um, hey, um, so who's the author hey, of hey, that book? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to ask for. I was going to ask you to slowly say the name of the book and the author because we didn't catch it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Every word you say by Barbara Levine, and then Year of the Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Actually, you know what? I'm on GBU. I will actually put it in chat. I didn't even realize those two books were written by the same author. Barbara Levine wrote, Your Body Believes Every Word You Say, too. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) I shouldn't be surprised. Amazon probably showed them both to me when I was shopping for something. And Yeah, cool. Cool. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Ming. I'm excited to dive into the other one and put some words on my January calendar, too. (laughs) (laughs) Huh, that's interesting. Um, Okay, so who else has been checking something out that you'd like to share about? Any thumbs up or... I just want to say that I had heard Shonda Rhimes being interviewed by Oprah about Year of Yes, and the interview wasn't funny. So I'm glad to hear, Ming, that the book was actually really funny (laughs) and easy to read, because that's good to know. Sometimes you want a book like that, right? So so that's good to know. I really... I really did enjoy the interview with Oprah, but it was more serious and, mm. you know, and it was less, there wasn't as much laughing going on. But Shonda's story is amazing. I mean, I just think her story is amazing because here she was, she was this woman with, you know, she'd been writing for a while in different places, but hadn't been able to get a break for writing for TV or anything. And she was home. Um, she had adopted a baby girl, and she was at home being a mom, and she was watching all these daytime shows and thinking they were really bad. <laughs> and she thought, I can write better than this. So while she was home taking care of her newborn baby that she had adopted, she started writing um, the shows that have now become she's become famous for. And mm-hmm. it all started you know, that way. So anyway, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, you'd probably enjoy it, Nancy. She's, she is really funny. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, I normally don't laugh out loud like in a public place, but I was just, I couldn't even help it. I just was just cracking up and it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, Nancy, I had seen the Oprah interview too, and I 
I started to listen to Year of the Yes on CD. Um, and, yeah, two very different. I really enjoyed the Oprah interview. It, it was really good, and she's a very interesting lady. With the Year of the Yes, I, I had to stop it only because, um, and she is funny, and she is really, really cool lady, and, and she was um, reading the book. So it was from her and her voice, and that was all great. But with me being such a go, go, go person and such a doer, I had to stop it because it was start my anxiety. It was getting mm-hmm. my anxiety. I could <laughs> imagine. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the opposite. I need to do a year of the no. Of the no. <laughs> I was just thinking that, Carrie. I was just thinking. She uh, talks about saying no, too, later on in the book. Did she? You got later that on. far. Yeah. She actually okay. does say talk about no but yeah no I could not be that person either to say yes to everything it would make me a little crazy too (laughs) but it's just fun to read yeah no and absolutely and I wonder if maybe I read it it would be a little different um but I I needed to disassociate just you know there's a time and place for every book right it just wasn't the time for me to read that one (laughs) yeah this this might seem a little unrelated but Carrie uh I think it was year before last I committed to not going anywhere and not doing anything, and I loved it. Nice. It was oh. so cool. I'd be interested so cool. to hear I, more about that. <laughs> yeah, I had said something like at the beginning of January. I had said because I I could feel myself having some anxiety about things coming up that required travel, and I and I just thought, you know what, I would love. I would love to have a year where I didn't do anything and didn't go anywhere. And that sounded kind of crazy, but also really delicious. So I there was one thing that was already on my calendar that I didn't feel comfortable canceling, but there was another thing where the person wrote me and said, oh, hey, I need to make a switch. I was like, good, me too. <laughs> so I technically did one thing at the beginning. I think I, it was a little thing. I, I don't, I can't remember what it was. But the whole rest of the year, I did not get on a plane. I did not have to get dressed in a suit to go deliver a speech or a presentation anywhere. I really liked it. And 2016 was very similar. When I was writing up my list of things that I loved, I was like, didn't I go anywhere? I'm like, no, pretty much not. <laughs> really, really liked it. And even to Hawaii. You know, and you bring up a good point, Carrie, how the person reading the audiobook really changes how you perceive it's different than if you read the book yourself in your own pace and you know in your own you know voice so to speak Um, absolutely because you know i gotta say i'm not a fan of jerry hicks reading any of the ave books you know i love those books themselves but the audio books that i have i've given away because i yeah, not a fan. I've never listened. Yeah. I mean, I remember that the very beginning of the workshop CDs where they would read the like copyright or something on the mm-hmm. CDs. But uh, I haven't heard Jerry read he other read, than that. He read Asking It Is Given, and I slogged through it, but I got to say that once I got the book, itself I prefer reading the book and since then if I have a if I have an option and I see that he read the audiobook I'll pass on it <laughs> mm-hmm. but if I see that that Esther is speaking directly in the, in the audio then I'll go for it cuz I really do enjoy hearing her channel Abraham so so it, it, it's so cool. interesting that it's the same material and it just depends on how you consume it 
for how it feels. I just think that's interesting. I couldn't agree more. So let me yeah. see what else. Um, Carrie, did you read Awakening the Guru in You by Russell Scott? I did, yes. Yeah. Oh, tell, share your thoughts. Is there anything that you remember distinctly that you'd like to pass on? Yeah, this this one was interesting, and and I had started read. Okay, I, I recently did his retreat, and uh, bef- I had bought this book a couple years ago from him, from meeting him, and he's such a sweet, sweet man. And I had started reading it, and and was enjoying it well enough, and then I lost it. Uh, you know, wasn't wasn't meant to finish it at the time, and then um, I found it just before doing the retreat. So I went on the retreat, and then I read read it again after the retreat from a totally different perspective. And um, what was interesting? So the first half of of the book is kind of his perspective, him sharing about um, you know a guru and and uh, how to find you know maybe a spiritual guide and uh, you know defining that. He also talks a lot about dogma and, you know, his his feelings and thoughts on, on dogma and um, and just kind of his a little bit of his story. And he is he he's very interesting to read about. He's got a great sense of humor. I really enjoy his sense of humor, too. And there's some interesting things in there that uh, I don't know if time I'll, I'll kind of share a bit about. And then the second half of the book really talks about the enlightenment um the enlightenment experience and um, how to go about doing it. So he talks about conscious communication and, and he, he walks you through the process and that, that process is what is done on the retreat. Um, so I wonder like if just reading it, I, I bet it would be, I, I guess it depends though how you learn myself, just reading about the experience. I would have a really hard time incorporating it. I'm, I'm the type of person I need to experience it. Mm. So maybe that's why I lost the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't think I would have gotten, I would have been like, what are you talking about if I had just read well, it? I needed to experience it. And experiencing it, wow, pretty pretty amazing. Um, your appreciation so for, for, yeah, it just comes through. I can hear it in spades, like how much it's benefited you, how much you enjoy it what he has yeah. to share that's cool to hear yeah and i'm glad i have the book because he also gives some and and he, even after the retreat he's given you know um he does a lot of things for afterwards to help you know keep the enlightenment um that you had and and to keep it up and but i also in the book i'm glad i have it because he gives other things to do so it, it'll be a good reference for me at times but uh yeah, just a, a really interesting man and just um, oh, just a lovely, lovely being. <laughs> wow. Well, we could all use more of that in our world. Thanks for that share. That's also yeah. on my list of books to read. I, I, I don't know that if since we covered them on this call, I'm not sure we'll mention them in January or not. But I kind of have a feeling I'll be raving at least a little bit about a couple of these other ones. I had. I had high hopes for how much I was going to read this month, but I bit off more than I could chew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you do, at the beginning of his book, he shares, <laughs> and it was so funny in the retreat, he shared it too. Um, he shares his story about the twits of St. Twinkle. <laughs> I, can't, I can't not laugh every time I think of this story. Him and his 
know, university buddies start their own little kind of cult thing just for fun, and they call themselves the Twist of St. Twinkle. So if you do um, read about that, let me know, because I'm sure you'd be giggling away, too. <laughs> right on. We'll do. We'll do. So who else has been checking something out that would be good for us to hear about? I've got I've got one to share. Oh, good. Let's hear about it, Guillaume. I just read the first two chapters, um, but I've mentioned this author a few times, uh, Dr. Bruce Goldberg. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've reading. I think it's useful for everybody as well. It's called Custom Design Your Own Destiny. Mm. Yeah. That's uh, a very cool title, right off the yeah, bat. It is. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I just read the first two chapters. It's quite, it's quite, um, it's quite interesting, and um, it talks about how we can use um, astral projection to to um, communicate with your higher self and to to get get access to Akashic records to um, predict predict your own future. Get to, get really? To, get to, yeah, yeah. And um, one one particular name that that I was reading about it's in this book, and it's called it's man was called Ed Morell. M O R R E L L, and um, what, what about? I'll explain that quickly about him. What happened to him many years ago when the um, penal system in the United States and Canada was really bad? There was a lot of torture at the time. He was in prison um, for life, and I can't remember what, 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 what it was called. I think it's something to do with uh, land ownership, and uh, because <clears throat> he got in prison for life, and, and they tortured him so much. But what it is, he he didn't feel anything because. Every time when he was um, either um, hung hung by his wrists or um, put into a straitjacket, which was very painful, um, he he's, he he would physically leave his body mm. and wouldn't feel the pain at all. And uh, wow. and prison officers were absolutely puzzled um, <laughs> about like, how he survived it all. Yeah, I bet they were. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe I'm laughing about that. But wow. and that's in chap- and that's in chapter two. If anybody gets a chance to read it, Re- remind us uh, how come we know Bruce Goldberg's name, Guillaume? What have you shared from him before? But it was a lot of books I shared. Two of them. One of them was um, Time Travels from Our Future, and then there's a part two to that one called um, Egypt and Extraterrestrial Time Travel Experiments. And then there was one I read called Astral Travel, and then Secrets of Self-Hypnosis. Uh, I can't believe anyone. Oh, yes, Entering the Fifth, fifth Dimension. I I know why I was getting I was getting a little mixed up in chat room. Sandy or Sandy Nancy said it sounds like quantum jumping, and that's Bert Goldman. I was Goldberg, getting Bruce Goldman. Goldberg and Bert Goldman kind yeah. of mixed up, but okay, I'm clear now. Mercury retrograde feels like it's present at our call today because we also had some chat about <laughs> what books, uh, who wrote what books earlier. Anyway, we had double postings. Like people would ask for links, and two of us would do it at a time. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. I I got some DVDs that um, I'm pl- I'm just excited about. One is um, you know Esther and Jerry started a series called The Law of Attraction in Action. And they're basically workshop videos where you see Esther on the stage and then people come to the hot seat and ask questions and then they answer and then they pick like their favorite questions to put on the DVD. And they're usually two DVD sets. 
Um, mm-hmm. I have one that's on the way that hasn't been delivered yet, and then one that just came called um, Joyous Adventure, and it's episode eight in the series. And it's really, this one, this particular one is really funny. Like there's very savvy people in the hot seat asking questions, and Abraham is really good at kind of showing them how ridiculous their thinking is and how their thinking is really what's causing their distress and their struggle and so forth. But it's really kind of funny. A lot of funny stuff in there. And then the other one I got is a movie I have been wanting for years. Um, I saw the movie years ago on Netflix. It's called Man on Wire. And it's the story about that guy that tight-roped between the two towers of the um, yeah, uh, Philip the yeah, yeah. Philip yeah. yeah. I know. I know that story since I was a kid. And, yeah, and I saw the movie originally in 2010, I think it was, and flipped. I just could not believe how fabulous it was. And for deliberate creators, it's an amazing story because they they go back and kind of reenact and talk about what what they did and what they were thinking. Is that Coda? Nope. Oh. <laughs> Is it Joe? <laughs> no, it's not from my house. <laughs> Is it one of yours, Jeanette? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, in this movie, I think it's perfect for deliberate creators because they they're talking about what it's going to take for them to break into the World Trade Center and tight, put the tightrope across. <laughs> And, and pull this off, and they all decide that it's impossible. And then the guy says, Philip Petit says, "Yes, it's impossible. So let's get going." <laughs> so let's do it. And and of course they do. They pull it off. And there's a couple different situations where things look dire, and he's the only one who's maintaining that it this is happening and it's going to go well. And at one point when they were they were sneaking into the World Trade Center on a couple of different occasions pretending to be contractors because the buildings were still being built at that time. And so they were sneaking in to kind of get, you know, an idea of logistics and what was going on. And when he was up there, he he stepped on a piece of wood that had a nail in it and the nail went right up into his foot. And so he ended up having to be on crutches um, and like a cast for several weeks. And he said after that, when he would show up at the World Trade Center, people would open doors for him and let him in. They never asked for his ID. They never asked for Mm. any information. Mm. So so the situation where he stepped on the nail ended up turning out to be a really fabulous thing that will let him cover it how cool is that? <laughs> and and there's more. And I just think the whole story is so amazing. And then and then in the movie, you also have New Yorkers talking about how now that those trade center towers aren't there anymore, this is one of the fondest memories that a oh, lot of wow. people have of those towers. And to see it in a movie just brings back all those memories. And I remember, because I was a little girl when this happened, and I remember they the media portrayed him as a madman, like this crazy lunatic. And when they asked him, why did you do this? He said, there was no why. 
Hmm. There was no why, you know. And um, But when you see the movie, you see here as a person who has a passion and a singular vision to make it happen. And even when the people around him kind of don't believe it and are just like going along to see how far they can go but just really don't believe it's going to happen – He's the one that maintains that vision and keeps it clear. And and this it's for years that he keeps it clear. And he does a lot of other um, climbs and walks in other places as he's preparing himself to eventually get to the point where he's going to walk across the, the wire. at. Um, and he, he did it for 45 minutes between the World Trade Towers. And at one point, he actually laid down in the middle of the wire and watched the birds fly around him, you know, and then he, then he got up from laying down and he kneeled and, and bowed on the, the wire to the policemen who were on both sides wow. waiting for him. Cause the se- second he came off, they handcuffed him and took him away. Well, that. Anyway, um, okay. Yeah. So is the movie, is it like a, a documentary or like a reenactment, like a true story sort of, well, it's it's a documentary with reenactment in there. Cool. And um yeah, I just put the um the cool. link in thing. And um it's it, you I don't know if you can still get it on Netflix. That's how I got it initially, but I think for deliberate creators it's a fabulous um because this is a real life you're it's a documentary you're but you're watching them reenact it and talk about it what they did and how they went through it and what they were thinking and how they were feeling and i just think it's it's a great example of holding a vision even when everybody else in the world thinks it's crazy or impossible you know that kind of circles back to what barbara levine said in her book around when you know others are projecting thought forms towards you that may not be what you want to experience, like how important it is to be grounded in what you prefer and not let others affect you, sounds mm-hmm. like he was a master of that. Very much so. And and actually, after when he finally went in front of the, I don't want to spoil too much for people who haven't seen it, but when he after he was arrested and he goes before the judge, the judge determines that you know nothing was really. There was really no harm done and, you know, no damage to the building and it was really, you know, just kind of a stunt. So he was, um, his sentence was to uh, do a tight walk in Central Park for the neighborhood children. (laughs) And so he did that. Everybody, all the other people on his team were um, deported, immediately deported. Because this guy's French, and a lot of his yeah. friends were French, so they were all the rest of his friends were immediately deported. But he was allowed to stay and do the walk for, you know, in Central Park. And then, because of that, he was offered a special um, artist in residence with a monastery in New York State, and he's he's still there to this day. They pay him to do to practice this and to do you know tightrope walking and to teach other people and to go around and give talks and to write books and yeah so, so carrie in chat room says it is still on netflix she just checked in barbara says she added it so i will too thanks for the tip yeah. Nancy. 
Oh, cool. I just, I saw it and loved it and have always in the back of my mind thought, I want to get that, I want to get that, and then I just kept forgetting. I finally remembered, <laughs> and I'm glad I got it. So, yeah. Well, yay. That's what I love about these calls. You guys help sift through the stuff to skip and the stuff to invest that's worth investing attention in. So, Cool. Who else has something to share about? This is Meg. Megs, how are you? Hi. Um, nice to I, hear you. Yeah, I just got back Wh- yesterday. So. Woohoo! I was just going to ask where you're calling from. <laughs> I, I'm calling from the U.S. So you had a fabulous um, trip. Had a fabulous trip, yes. Um, and I actually lost weight on my trip, which you Wh- know. Wh- <laughs> wow. I know. Well, and that's why I wanted to talk about the book. So the book that I've been reading that I I didn't. I've gotten about three quarters of the way through. Um, it's by Pam Grout, but it's one of her way early books. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Jumpstart Your Metabolism. Mm-hmm. It's how to lose weight by changing the way you breathe. Mm-hmm. It is fabulous. I love it. <laughs> and apparently effective, huh? It is effective. And it's funny, like, um, you know, I, I mean, anyone who's read Pam Grout or knows Pam Grout, her writing style, I mean, she could write about, making telephone books mm-hmm. and it would be interesting. Yep. Um, it's just, it's got some really neat, it, it's just such a nice different approach to managing one's metabolism. Um, and I can tell you, I mean, I was in Germany at the Christmas market, so I was drinking bluevine every day. <laughs> so, so I wasn't really watching what I was eating so much as making sure I ate what, what looked really good. Um, so I guess I was watching what I was eating. I was making sure it looked really good before I ate it. Um, for you. But, um, yeah, it's just I just really recommend it if people are looking for a different way to relate to their body. Like one exercise, well, she has one thing. I'm, I haven't really dog-eared it because I want to go back and read it again. Um, but, like, one thing I noticed is, well, she said diets are red herring. I was like, amen. Mm-hmm. Um but like there's just a different exercise in there in there. It's very, you know, connecting with your body. It kinda goes to what you were talking about earlier, Jeanette, um, with Barbara Levine. Mhm. Um, but it's it works. I mean, I haven't gotten on the scale yet, but I can tell you the pants I bought the day before I left don't fit anymore. Wow. Um, wow, yeah. wow. Okay, so what just give us one one example of what you're one, exercising with your breath. Okay, so one example, she calls it the Baywatch Bikini Breath. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. So um, so basically it's a four-count inhale and deep, and you know it has to be through your nose. So you say in your head, Baywatch Bikini Body, here I come. Um, that's about four seconds, she says. And then you hold it for 16 seconds. So you say that in your head four more times. Obviously you can't talk. And then you let it out really deep for two of those Baywatch bikini body, here I come. Um, holy smokes. I mean, that wow. is just, yeah. And okay. The other, so ahead. wait, do you do you just do it like a couple times when you like think about it times, or throughout the day? Three times a day, ten times, three times a day. Wow, okay. I mean, you can do it. You know, you shared that. something with me that really, that I'm still thinking about, and that was that, when you you're doing 
some of this consciously, it doesn't take long before it starts to become habitual, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you start to notice when you're breathing shallow and it's, it becomes... Yeah, yeah and, and I had that experience actually at the beginning of our trip. Um, I just about lost my uh, cool at the um, airport because we got in. My mom... My mom went, my mom and I went together and she's not able to walk long distances at the moment so she wanted to do a wheelchair or cart but at the at the airport we are lo- next to they don't do carts they just do wheelchairs and we waited like an hour for one and oh, I about boy. lost it yeah <laughs> so and I could feel my breath getting really really shallow and I like finally like the third time after I went and I was like hey you know we've been waiting um we'd like to get to our gate before the plane leaves um, you know, and I was like, okay, and I left, and I was like, I'm just going to do, like, five deep breaths on my way back to where my mom was waiting, and it, like, I felt better. Even though the situation wow. hadn't improved, I felt better. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I have, I used it then. Yeah, for some reason, it's just the airport in D.C. that we flew out of, like, yeah. The consultant at me is like, man, I'd like this to be so <laughs> You're so funny. Well, but, uh, I love I love that you shared about the book because I was intrigued when you mentioned it in the forums and when we mm-hmm. chatted, and I'm really, this sounds like one I should probably invest the time in because you're right, reading Pam Grout is an entertaining thing no matter what the subject is, but this one sounds like it could have some pretty helpful side effects for life in general. Well, and she has different prescriptions. She calls them cocktails, and she said, take one cocktail, try one cocktail a week to see what it fits you best. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll take that prescription any day. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I, my sales at home, so I have no idea how much weight I've dropped. But, you know, my pants that I bought right before I left don't fit. I mean, they're too loose. Like, I need a belt with one, like, badly. Um I had a girlfriend many years ago that I don't know what she read, but she ran across something along the same lines about just breeding your way to weight loss, and it was affecting her as well. Mm -hmm. So I know that this, it's like, it's a thing. Uh, Yeah, sounds like. And there are so many, there, I, I think I remember Dr. Andrew Weil. Weil, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where he, he, years and years and years ago, someone interviewed him and said, you know, of all the things that you talk about for practicing better health, what if we just did one thing, what would it be? And he said, breathe deeper. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he said, breathe deeper. Well, there was a quote she had in the book from a doctor that said, if oxygen was given out as a prescription right now, it would be charged like the highest dollar value. Oh, wow, because it was so effective, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So I was like, okay. I'm game. <laughs> huh. so. Cool. So, yeah, I'm losing weight in December, whereas most people have the belief they gain weight. <laughs> my, my belief is I'm losing it. We're not losing it, I'm dropping it. I'm, 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 and on vacation, even, where it's so easy to do the opposite. Yeah. Right on. Well, I'm glad you dialed in. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us on that. That's good to hear. So who else has something for us 
before we wrap up our call today. This is my idea of a book club meeting where everyone's got something to share. <laughs> this is so, my favorite so one I, of the whole year. I have one to don't bother. Oh, to let's hear it, Susan. It's uh, called A Year of Li- Living Danish <laughs> A Year of Living Danishly by Helen Danishly. Russell. Danishly. Oh, interesting. So the premise is and this in all these studies that go on, um, Denmark always rates as one of the happiest places, countries. And this woman is British, lives in London with her husband. They have an opportunity because he gets an offer to go work for Lego um, to move to Denmark. But they don't move to Copenhagen. They move to Jutland, which is out in the middle of sort of nowhere. Um, and she starts investigating. And one of the things she asks all the people is to rate their happiness. And most people rate their happiness as 8, 9, or 10 mm-hmm. as they go through this. And so the point is she gets very repetitive and keeps, you know, doing. So, But I do think there were kind of two major points that, are resonant for conscious creators. One is um, up until very recently, and it's still highly um, homogenous society, homogeneous society. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's also homogenous, but it's homogeneous mm-hmm. um, there because of some immigration in the last couple of years, but not still very much. Um, out of the same sort of Viking stock mm-hmm. um, to do that. But surrounding yourself with um, like-thinking people increases happiness. Oh, look at that. Hmm. So, you know, being a member at GVU, and we and there's lots of evidence of this, people who, you know, when they're introducing themselves say, you know, I'm, I can't believe I finally found my place <laughs> and to do. So I think that's part of it too, but not just GVU, but thinking about and mm-hmm. um, the, what I, I put it on my list. I put it on my list for 2016. How I felt when I when I hung out with Master Gardeners in training. When I when I right. met the new rescue group. Yeah, exactly. So the same kind of thing surrounding yourself in whatever level, to do it. Because with like-minded individuals, you're much less likely to get that pushback that makes you have to um, avoid other people's thoughts. So that. Um, And then the second was, uh, there's a principle in and the word in Danish, in Danish is spelled H-Y-G-G-E, but pronounced Haiga. Uh-huh. And um, it's creating, because of the incredibly long winters, um, it's creating in your home the space that is happy and joyful. And whether that's, you know, the chair by the fire or whatever, but having that space as part of your everyday life. Um, and, again, it, it's a way of reducing resistance. You know, if I'm coming to a place 
and you know whether and it doesn't it's not like you have to go buy something new it may be i realized as i was coming in tonight i have a uh red fleece blank you know throw and it just because it's red and happy looking and whatever whenever i come in from the cold and kind of cover my feet with that it makes me happy Mm. (laughs) that was a beautiful way to describe that concept i'm smiling from ear to ear at the thought susan right so that was my take on the book it is not one that i would it's not that she's a bad writer it's just it should have been a four chapter book gotcha gotcha so yeah cool Wow, I love how many people we've heard from. Is there anyone we haven't yet who's got something cool to share? Anyone got anything that you're reading next that we should know about that we could maybe join you in for the first book club meeting of 2017? I feel like... (laughs) Okay, Uh, it's not here yet, but what's coming is... um, what your what your poo is telling you <laughs> for real i bought the book i really wanted to get it as gifts for people but i thought they might not appreciate it as much as i do um i probably won't be sharing that on a on a book review call i but i did oh i just this is another one i don't think i'll be sharing about but boy seth godin raved about it so much i picked up a copy of stephen pressfield's the knowledge I don't really know what it is yet, but the guy was raving. And that that package that the mailman brought up, it's got a book in it, but I don't remember what it is. So I'll just have to post, I guess, in the forums um, what I might be reading for 2017. If anyone has any suggestions for our January book club, we'd love to hear them. It was really fun to hear from all of you who shared about what you've been tuned into. So thanks, everyone, for joining this call. And if no one has anything else, then we'll call this a wrap for our final book club meeting of the year. Do we have, when are we, oh, we're scripting with Barbara next week. It's on Friday, the 30th. We're scripting how fabulous 2017 was. So if anyone wants to join in for that manifesting exercise, it's always a good time. I was glad to see Barbara doing it again for us this year. She leads them better than anyone I know. She's a fabulous. She's one of the best scripters I've ever, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't tell. <laughs> yep. Has anyone ever gone back to, like, the previous year? Because we do it a year in advance. We but do. has anyone ever gone back to their previous years to see I... how things have I haven't gone back to listen, mostly because I don't like listening to my voice on a recording, so it's a big handicap for me to re-listen to anything that I'm on. But I do know that one of the things I had scripted about was the amazing fostering that I'd done with all the kittens, and I think it was within a couple of months I realized I was living that reality. (laughs) Ming says we have a fairies call. When is that? That's on the 30th, Jeanette. Oh, it's on the 30th as well. That's why I didn't see it. Oh, two calls. Oh, that's right. Don't forget. Yeah. Yeah, that that was at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, are these these not scheduled? 
or are they on different call IDs? Because no, I don't see schedule. them in TalkShoe. It's in the GBU calendar. I only just yeah. it's on Barbara's the, call. It's on the calendar, day, but, but it's on Ming's TalkShoe and Barbara's TalkShoe. So oh, okay. Line. So it's not on the GVU talk show. Okay. Mm-mm. That explains it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, until then, it was. I guess we'll just have to meet up in the holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone, and we'll be seeing you before the new year rolls around for anyone who can join us on our Friday calls. And, um, yeah, thanks again for a great call today, everyone. I really enjoyed it. Bye, guys. Thanks, Jeanette. Thanks, Jeanette. Yeah, Jeanette. Happy Solstice, everybody. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.